Pharaoh of the man that he met in prison that interpreted his dream. Do you think he did? I think you can see where this is going. He didn't. It took two years before Pharaoh had a dream, and then all of a sudden, bam, comes back to the cupbearer. Oh yeah, I was supposed to tell Pharaoh about something. Whoops. In the end, Joseph does interpret Pharaoh's dreams and rises to second in command in Egypt during a time of great famine. Through this rise to power, Joseph eventually sells grain to his brothers, and then he has them bring his father and the entire family down to Egypt. Now at the start of Exodus, Joseph's generation has passed away, and there's a new king, a king that somehow has forgotten why Joseph's line, family line ended up in Egypt, and now, and now he sees them as a threat. Their numbers are almost as great as the Egyptians. So he forces them into slavery in Egypt, but God hasn't forgotten his people. He sends a series of plagues to the land, each one seemingly worse than before, the one before. Yet at the same time, he also hardens Pharaoh's heart so that the Israelites are not freed from captivity. Finally, God kills all the firstborns in Egypt as a final plague on the land, and the Israelites are freed. In leaving Egypt, you may have heard the story of the parting of the Red Sea, in which God allows his people to pass through on a dry sea floor safely before bringing the water flooding down over the Egyptians that were following them. Then in Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 through 25, we read the following account. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. How about that? God is just providing for the Israelites time after time, miracle after miracle. He sustains the tribes of Israel during a famine, provides an escape from their merciless captors, and now he makes water drinkable with a piece of wood. Let's get back to this in just a minute. You'll see the significance and be able to marvel at the Israelites' ability to forget in just a few minutes. Now, Pastor Adam read from chapter 16 last week, where once again the Israelites are grumbling. This time they were hungry, and it's hard to believe, but they grumble about not being in captivity in Egypt, because at least there they had food. Never mind the terrible conditions for working and living, they seem to have forgotten that part. But they had food, so God provided again, as he always did, with manna and quail. Now we're to chapter 17, and we'll read just the first seven verses, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt and make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? 
Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the, el of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So I don't know how many of you out there have a stressful job. Anybody? I have a couple of jobs. The one that I'm called to here is youth pastor at Maple Park. Being able to share the love Christ has shared with me to our youth, just like so many people who have poured into me over the years, that is truly a joy to be able to serve in that way. When I'm not working here, I work at a mortgage company, and that's a pretty high-stress environment and industry. You're dealing with people buying and selling homes, often the biggest financial transaction of their lives. Getting closed on time, meeting sales goals, it all adds up to a fair amount of stress. But Moses, now he's got a stressful job. He's going between the Israelites, a people group who seem to have both short-term and long-term memory loss, and God, who never grows weary, never forsakes the Israelites, never gives up on them, despite their best efforts to forget what he has provided for them. I can only imagine Moses' frustration in this passage, as maybe, I picture him maybe sitting with his head in his hands, maybe thought to himself, now how am I going to explain this one to God? Just two chapters ago, God provided water in the desert. Last chapter, food in the form of manna and quail. And now here we are again, the Israelites need water. They ask, why did you bring us out of Egypt? to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst. So once again, Moses goes to God for, for, for provision. Last week, Adam spoke of a desert oasis, a place where water flows and trees grow to provide shade and animals come to drink. Moses might have been expecting or hoping that there would be one off in the distance as God provided a spot for the Israelites to rest. Instead, God simply tells Moses to strike a rock with his staff, and then God takes care of the rest. Moses just had to have a little faith, follow God's command, and God provided. There are quite a few lessons that we can take away from this passage, and here's the first. Our faith will be tested throughout our lives. How do we respond in those times? Where do we turn? The Israelites failed time and time again. God had saved them from famine, freed them from slavery, provided food and water just chapters before, and yet here they are, complaining about not having water and expecting to die. They figured they'd be they would rather be back in slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh's rule. And we do that too, don't we? We forget that we've been given the ultimate gift, and we grumble to God. When the Israelites faced a trial, their faith wavered. They weren't sure God would be there for them. And you'll come across those same times. So keep your faith rooted in the one who will never fail you. The Israelites turned to Moses, but Moses turned to God. He knew there was nothing he could do. 
No oasis on the horizon he could lead them to. He needed a miracle. God always provides. He provides us with living water, water that sustains us and never runs dry. In Philippians 4.19, we read, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Or in 1 Corinthians 10.13, we read, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And Luke one thirty seven says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. I mean, the verses we could turn to here are almost endless. So many times we need to be reassured that God provides for us and won't fail us. He provides our, our needs in a multitude of ways, unexpected and beyond what we could ever imagine. Whether you're facing a physical challenge or maybe a temptation, God gives and gives and gives to us. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He doesn't care how many times you forget. He will always be right there, ready to provide what you need to get through life, maybe just the day or maybe just the next minute. The Israelites got, got water from a rock at a time when they were ready to head back to slavery. And I'm sure many of you can think of a time when God provided. Maybe it was something unexpected or undeserved, like so much of what God has given us. Maybe you were healed, fed, or forgiven when you were just about to give up hope. Maybe God was like a desert oasis, providing you the spot to rest when the heat was just about to overtake you. In our times of greatest need, we can turn to God to provide exactly what we are lacking. So Moses turned to God when the Israelites were grumbling to him. And that brings up another good takeaway. We need to appoint and follow leaders and seek wise counsel that are grounded in the word. That in both times of struggle and times of plenty, they would point us to God. We're going to have times of good and bad throughout our lives, both as individuals and as a church. When times are good, we shouldn't just pat ourselves on the back and think about all the awesome things we've accomplished by our own doing. We know that God provides all things and does all good works because those things don't come out of the hearts of man. And those times are bound to come where we have nothing. And we have to remember who is in control. With Christ, we have all we need, more than we need or deserve. We need to be a people of prayer, turning to God in all circumstances, just as Moses did here. Next, I'd like to focus for just a minute on what God used to provide for the Israelites. A couple of chapters ago, he had Moses throw a piece of wood into some bitter-tasting water to make it drinkable. Next, he rained down manna from heaven, food literally falling from the sky. Now we see that God has used just the place we'd expect to find water, a rock. And to get water out of the rock, Moses only had to touch his staff to it. Now, I've been a lot, on a lot of hiking trips in my life, and I've run short on water a few times. But never once did it occur to me to poke at a rock with my trekking poles and see what might come out. But God told Moses what he needed to do, and Moses had the faith that God would provide, no matter how strange the method. So not only does God provide, he provides from unexpected spots. He uses people that might otherwise not seem worthy of leading, and he saves countless lives through them. The Bible is filled with examples of this. 
Moses himself was reluctant, calling himself not eloquent, slow of speech and of tongue. Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he was the Israelites' enemy number one for his conversion on the road to Damascus. Last week in youth group, we read a parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. The tax collector was despised throughout the land, but when it came to praying before God, whose heart was in the right place? Youth, do you remember? Maybe not. It wasn't the religious leader who tried so hard to look good on the outside. It was the lowly tax collector. So don't think if God is calling you to something that he isn't going to provide the means to get the job done. Don't think if he is asking you to have faith in him that he isn't going to be there walking right alongside you. Your weakness, our weakness, is turned to strength in God. We read that Moses called the place where he drew water from the rock, Massah and Meribah. Meribah means quarreling, as we see the Israelites once again in a state of unrest, complaining that they aren't back in Egypt, where at least they had water. Massah means testing, as the Israelites tested God to see if, they would, if he would provide for them. It seems at this point they would realize that he's always provided according to their needs. But you know, that whole forgiveness superpower thing. Have you ever come on a time where you tested God? Maybe your faith was wavering and you said, God, if you love me, do this or provide that. Or God, if you get me out of this situation, I'll serve you forever or never do anything wrong again. I think we've all had those moments. I know I have. But as I was thinking about this, situations like that, especially as I uh, thought, as, thought about it this week, I thought, wow, doesn't that limit God? Doesn't that put God in our little human box? I mean, this is the God that brought water from a rock, brings the dead back to life, and here I am asking for help on the test that I didn't study enough for. But you know the really awesome thing about God? Is that he cares for you individually. He knows you've got that algebra test on Tuesday, or that you're irritated with the guy in the next cubicle. He knows the physical or mental ailment that you're dealing with, even when no one else recognizes it. He knows each of us intimately, down to the numbers of hairs on our head. As the Israelites were held in captivity in Egypt for so many years, God sent plagues to show Pharaoh who was in charge. Yet each time he also hardened Pharaoh's heart making sure the Israelites continued to be held. But when the time was right, he provided one last sign to Pharaoh and his people were set free. He took a heart that was so hardened against God and broke it to fulfill his mission. Now, that, now we've read that he uses a rock to bring water out of it, providing for his people in the desert. And if we know that that is the God that we serve, what can he do with you and I? We are a sinful, broken people, but we have been rescued. We have been given living water. And if we are willing to follow God's leading, he can produce fruit from even, even from us. We can provide the path to living water that our neighbors so desperately need. The lost are wandering in the desert, looking for water, and we know the everlasting source. 
So let us be a people of faith, not forgetting what God has done for us and sharing it with those around us because we know God is faithful and will provide all we need. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the provision that you give in all of our lives. Though we often forget and grumble, you remain faithful. We are thankful that you are a God that uses miracles to provide. Despite our inadequacies and weakness, you show your mighty power. Please let us be a people that do not forget, but that we would spread the word of what you have done to all those around us. We pray this in your name. Amen.